0: with the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican
1: to the White House and everything in between. It's
2: serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive
3: Time.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your producer, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Thanksgiving Day. Praise be to God. And what are you supposed to do on Thanksgiving? Well, the classic answer is eat a lot of turkey, right? commit the sin of gluttony today. That's what everybody says. But no, no, today we're going to talk about gratitude. Why do we call it Thanksgiving? Because of gratitude. So with me today is Dr. Theodore Rebard. He is a professor at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, and he was actually my professor. So pray for him. He had to endure that penance. But praise be to God. Thank you very much, Dr. Rebard, for being on with us and Dr. Rebard uh so today we're celebrating Thanksgiving so we're talking about gratitude and you know when we talk about gratitude people uh, tend to not quite understand what we mean we live in a society where gratitude is almost a sign of weakness one might say so whenever we think of this we think about what can we, or what should we be thankful for? And this often comes up on Thanksgiving Day. It's common practice, people sit around the table and they talk about what are you thankful for? And so, Dr. Rebar, what are or what should we be grateful for?
5: At the deepest root, we need to be grateful for our very existence. I want to return to that just a little bit later. Uh, it's the profoundest source and the profoundest meaning of gratitude or of thanksgiving. And everything else is a shadow or an echo uh, or a representation of that. We could call it perhaps original gratitude. Uh, so <clears throat> having sounded that note, we have the largest possible outline of what gratitude is and within which we can both fill in some details and return to the source or the most fundamental basic idea, okay? But gratitude, let's say for the beginning, is an expression of appreciation for a gift that has been given, something that is not obligatory from the part of the giver. If you, and we all know this, if you give a gift to someone for a birthday or Christmas or for some occasion or even without a particular reason, uh, such as a man might happen to bring flowers to his wife. Well, what's the occasion? Well, it's none. It's just that this is a, this is Wednesday,
4: <laughs> right? And the, and, the, and the common response when people do that is exactly that they say, "Oh, you didn't have to do that."
5: That's exactly right. But that touches the very nature of gifts that they are not obligatory. You're obliged to. Pay for merchandise that you buy or services that you engage, but you are not obliged in the giving of gifts. So this valuation or appreciation or thanksgiving, uh, is the expression in some way or other, perhaps words, perhaps action, perhaps some physical item, uh, that is, that renders visible or audible, that is some human expression, uh, of the appreciation the valuation of uh uh, the uh, of the gift and its nature as being free
4: absolutely and you know the the first thing that we we should be thankful for and you know we should be doing this every morning when we wake up the first thing we should do is to give thanks to god and that is the first thing that we should be thankful for is God and in Himself. And I, I think into myself, you know, what does St. Thomas say? He says uh to that whenever because God is so great, and because we are so little, and like you were saying, it's something that is freely given, our very existence. God creating the heavens and the earth, God creating the earth, God creating us, God creating all these things. And just in himself, though, not even for the reasons of all these things, but just because he is good himself, we mm-hmm. should be thankful
5: that he is so when we talk about the doctrine of creation the work of the six days we're talking about a free gift god as we sort of humanly say before creation is under no obligation to create the heavens and the earth so immediately we have an example uh in the work of the six days that calls for gratitude but that gratitude is not consciously and deliberately given by subhuman creations. It belongs properly to human nature and, of course, to angelic nature. Mm. And in the traditional doctrines of the uh, hierarchy of angels, the highest do nothing but give praise and thanks to God, the cherubim and the seraphim.
4: Mm, that makes me think of uh, the Te Deum. You know, we praise you, O oh God. We acclaim you as Lord, everlasting Father. All the world bows down before you. All the angels sing your praise. It's such a beautiful thing. And to think that, you know, speaking of Thanksgiving, well, the first Thanksgiving in America, we people often will refer to Plymouth Rock, and, you know, that's the one we're referring to typically. But the first Eucharistic celebration, Eucharist meaning Thanksgiving, was happened at St. Augustine, Florida, And when they landed there, they said Mass. But when they saw land, what did the sailors do? They immediately, they intoned the Te Deum, Mm. and they sang the Te Deum. And I'm thinking, wow, those people had the Te Deum memorized. They Mm -hmm. just started singing it together. I couldn't do that. I would have to pull up the the words.
5: Well, it's a, um, I don't want us to have to to take a sideline on this, but what you're pointing out, it really dramatically, Almost as though black and white represents or sh- or shows the difference of two cultures: a Catholic culture and the culture of the modern world. The culture of the modern world is, by some writers and with very good reason, referred to as an anti-culture. Whereas Catholic culture, above all, uh, <clears throat> is a traditional culture which is faithful to the nature of man and God. Mm. And it's worth noticing that, because it does show um, that we live in a hostile environment. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's, and there's something attractive
4: about gratefulness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something very attractive. And when people complain a lot, uh, that is very unattractive. You mm-hmm. see someone complaining or they're ungrateful, immediately it, it causes almost an ugliness about it. Whereas mm-hmm. gratitude is angelic. It mm-hmm. is, it's beautiful to see.
5: It is, and it precisely is angelic as an echo. The gratitude expressed by the cherubim and the seraphim, the gratitude in a way, in a very, very faintly but really analogous way, within the Trinity is Mm. the ultimate source, the archetype then we have the uh, cherubim and the seraphim. And our gratitude is an imitation of that. Even for instance, when you say please and thank you at the dinner table, that is a real imitation. Although small, uh, it is a real imitation of angelic gratitude. Uh, So let's let's talk for just a moment here about the nature of this primordial, this most basic gratitude to God. Everything else will be a further representation, as I say, a copy, a shadow, an imitation of that. There's a story <coughs> uh, that occurs in the works of the 19th century Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, uh, and I've always loved this this story since Peter Kreeft first told it to me many years ago. And the story is this. <coughs> Ordinarily, if you pour a glass of wine the glass has to be in your hand or on the table and you open the wine bottle and you pour a glass of wine. And this is true about gifts so that if I want to give my sister a gift on her birthday she is at her house and uh, she lives out of state and so uh, a gift is delivered to her street address for her. The point here is that the recipient has to Exist before the gift can be given mm. to the recipient, whether it's the wine glass receiving the wine or, in this example, my sister receiving some gift that I send to her. But the gift of creation, the gift that we receive, the gift that the entire universe receives from God is not like that. So Kierkegaard's representation of this for the imagination is that this is magic wine. And this wine, when poured out of the wine bottle, pours both the glass and the wine that is in it. So that the gift oh, wow. of creation gives us our very existence as well as our life and our intelligence and our will and our passions and all of the elements that are there for us to develop into virtues. Wow. So the completeness of the gift. And because, therefore, a gift Uh, A gift calls for gratitude. And because gratitude is in proportion to the gift. A greater gift requires greater gratitude. If you pass me the salt at lunch, I say thank you, and that's fine. But if God gives me my very existence, the only thing that I can do that will even begin... To express my gratitude is the gift of my existence back to Him, wow. which I owe in gratitude. And this also shows how gratitude is part of the virtue of religion and is part of the virtue of justice it is part of the gift uh, as part of the relationship or virtue of friendship it is all of these things so saint thomas teaches that while gratitude is has its association with justice and with piety if it has an association with friendship it is nevertheless a distinct virtue of its own wow that
4: it's really interesting, especially since, you know, when I was reading, I was prepping for this by reading St. Thomas on gratitude mm-hmm. and then his subsequent on ingratitude. And it surprised me of how much in this section he was quoting Seneca. Uh-huh. And he normally quotes, you know, Aristotle. He normally quotes Augustine, lots of the of the Bible. But he had a, a, a noticeable amount of quotes from Seneca. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting.
5: It has come to a a rather broad attention lately, at least uh, among a fair number of Americans, a small number, but a fair number of Americans. Uh, And I think this particular, I'm finding this, now I may be wrong, this is purely anecdotal and purely a report of experience. I'm finding this particularly among young men. Uh, that there is a growing interest or there is a somewhat lively interest in that group of Roman thinkers called the Stoics. Uh, And I think on the part of young men, this is a natural reaction and response against what I would simply call the softness uh, of the anti-culture in which we live. But it's interesting also that uh, that St. Thomas frequently not only here but in other places will cite not only of course Aristotle now he did not know Plato so he didn't he didn't he couldn't cite Plato little bits, but for the most part the works of Plato had not returned into circulation uh, and Latin translation in Western Europe by St. Thomas' time. He quotes um, Aristotle, he quotes Augustine as you point out, and he quotes the Bible. These are the most three most common sources that St. Thomas uses, but here he's using the Stoics, and he will use Cicero uh, also at, at other times. And <clears throat> so what we, what we might want to note here is that While gratitude is perfected in grace, it is also natural in man and his relationship to God. And, you know, this, of course, is just one of many, many examples of that general principle that grace perfects nature.
4: Exactly. And I want to pick up on that right after the break. So we're going to take a real quick break and we're going to come right back after this short break. So don't go anywhere. And we're going to talk about the natural virtue and how Christ supernaturalizes that virtue of gratitude, that gift of thanksgiving. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Catholic Drive Time. And we're back Praise be to Jesus Christ And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time This is your producer, Adrian Fonseca And today is Thanksgiving Day So give thanks to God Give thanks to God for your family, for your friends For that turkey in the oven right now Mmm, I can't wait so, we have Dr. Theodore Rebard is in studio with us right now to talk about Thanksgiving and the gift of gratitude. Before the break, we were talking about how, you know, the, in the culture right now, it's a very odd thing that there's a lot of young men who are really taken with the Stoics. And St. Thomas, when talking about gratitude, keeps bringing up uh, the, the Stoics. And you're like, okay, well, that's kind of odd. Will You think he'd be quoting the Bible, maybe he'd be quoting St. Augustine, but why is he quoting? the Stoics, and Dr. Rebard was saying how, you know, this gift of gratitude is in fact a natural virtue. So we're going to talk about how it is a natural virtue, and how does Christ and the gospel supernaturalize this virtue. Dr. Rebard?
5: So let me, um, let, me develop, uh, let me develop a point that you made earlier, Adrian, uh, which is essentially this, that gratitude does not exist in isolation. We find this very commonly uh, in the world in which we live, where, for instance, as you indicated, people perhaps sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner or ch- chatting before or after will make a little gratitude list. Hey, Donnie, what are the mysteries that we
2: pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and...
5: Powerful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
2: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, We should not blame people for whatever bad things they may sometimes do? We should not judge them for their faults? We should be kind and merciful? Well, of course we should be kind and merciful. However, it is not merciful to say that we should not blame them for the sins they commit. As G.K. Chesterton says, blame is actually a compliment. It is a compliment because it is an appeal to a man's soul. When we call a man a coward, we are, in so doing, asking him how he can be a coward when he could be a hero. When we rebuke a man for being a sinner, we imply that he has the potential of being a saint. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, Chesterton.com
5: dot org So I'm grateful to my wife, my husband, my mom, my dad, my sisters, brothers, co-workers, who, you know, whatever the, the the case may be. And these, of course, are true true expressions. Your your neighbor may be neighborly and help you out with things or loan you uh, uh, possessions of his. And you may have a good boss at work uh, who exhibits uh, a generosity about accommodations when something maybe is someone is ill or something like this. Okay, and so we list these things we list these we can easily list these things but the difficulty that quietly may intrude here is imagining that gratitude can exist in isolation that i can sit down at the thanksgiving dinner table and i can thank my mom my dad for all they did for all those years bringing uh raising my my siblings and myself and i can thank my uh, colleagues for their contributions to to my work uh, and on and on and on of this sort but ultimately and most profoundly, Thanksgiving has to be owed to God. It's the primordial, it's the foundational example. So I would I would express this this way: uh, <clears throat> the reason that Thanksgiving cannot, with a T capital T or a small t, cannot be reduced to a merely secular holiday, is that to think of gratitude in isolation. I thank my neighbor for loaning me his lawnmower when mine didn't work. Uh, Or uh, I am uh, uh, grateful for a reminder from a friend that by the way you have to go to the doctor today. Um, Gratitude cannot exist in that kind of isolation. It's not merely a secular holiday. Even in nature it is already sacred because it ultimately is owed to God. To imagine that gratitude can be isolated from god can be sealed off from god is as though you could be grateful for the water that came out of the tap without acknowledging the reservoir Mm. Uh, and that maybe gives us a place in a very very ordinary example that does not refer to grace yet uh, about gratitude itself, and why again? You know, going back to the texts of St. Thomas that you cited before the break, that St. Thomas can cite the pagan Romans in talking about gratitude.
4: Yes, it's really interesting. You know, we we think about these things and how the virtue of religion. This is this shocks a lot of people. People, when you bring this up, they're they're in disbelief. There's whenever people say, you know, the Ten Commandments, all of them, even the first three can be known by all people it's the law that's written on the hearts of all men and so we are all bound to obey the first three commandments along with the following seven Mm -hmm. which are you know giving honor to god primarily the first three commandments are related to that and so this idea that there is a virtue of religion that everybody owes you even if you're not catholic Mm -hmm. even if you're a pagan heathen you still are are obligated to give God His glory, whereas the virtue of, uh, of the, the obligation to go to Mass on Sunday mm-hmm. is not b- binding on people who are not baptized. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a small distinction there. But people are flabbergasted when you say, yes, even the atheist mm-hmm. is obligated to give God his due because it is a virtue of religion.
5: Another angle on this which supplements and reinforces what you're saying, Adrian, is the way and how we're St. Thomas treats the virtue of religion. <laughs> One might think and I remember being I'm a high school kid and kind of thinking this oh well I suppose you know if you went to St. Thomas whom I had never read when I was in high school uh, he would have a section that you could find and, and virtue, the virtue of religion would be named there and he would talk about it and that's kind of right but it's not sufficiently right to, to get what he's doing religion, the virtue of religion is treated within the, just, the virtue of justice And when you recognize that justice is a natural virtue, that, for example, I must repay a debt, if I borrowed money from someone, uh, that I am obliged to return things that I have borrowed in the condition in which they were lent to me. Uh, This is called the law of deposits, and it's just a natural, completely natural law. But within this is also... Uh, the virtue of religion which is the return in the best proportion that I can offer which is always inadequate of gratitude to God absolutely and in regards to that you know we so, talked- excuse me, so gratitude suffuses all religious acts whether mm-hmm. that be uh, uh, well let's, let's start with the ultimate one whether that be at mass mm-hmm. or whether that be in other places and times in your life absolutely
4: and and talking about mass for just a second and we'll go backwards uh, you know every person who's listening to this you know they can they owe thanks to god but as a catholic what is the greatest way that we can give our thanks to God. We mentioned at the very beginning of the show how at the very minimum, at the very minimum, because we are so infinitely less than God, all we can give God is our very existence. Mm -hmm. But because Christ became man and died on the cross, he has given us the opportunity to offer up the one sacrifice of infinite
5: value to the Father. And let's, in that context, remember uh, what's implicit in what you're saying? When we list out the purposes of mass, what are the purposes? If I ask myself, kneeling down uh, at mass, what, am I, what am I doing here? What am I? What, am, what are supposed to be my intentions here? Now, I suspect it is very easy for all of us to say, well, you know, my cousin who is sick uh, and uh, a, a co-worker who is not being cooperative on the job and, and, and things of this sort. The first purpose, the first intention at Mass is praise of God. And the second is thanksgiving. Then we have uh, 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 penance or repentance, and finally <laughs> we have petition.
4: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's a often forgotten thing. Is and the analogy people give is acts. You know, adoration, mm-hmm. contrition, thanksgiving, and then supplication is the last one right, on the list. People right. uh-huh. kind of invert that and put the supplication as the first, and then sometimes only the only
5: one. Uh, but you know, some of us remember. Um, I'm old enough <laughs> to remember that uh, that. Mnemonic device. The word acts. Uh, I remember that from elementary school. Awesome. That's mm-hmm. pretty Yeah. Praise
4: be to God. I think uh, this is a whole other topic that I get into. But I loved Doctor Smiths, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago. His book on the Sermons of Aquinas and how Aquinas would use uh, a verse of Scripture as a mnemonic device to how mm-hmm. people remember. And I feel like that's that's such a lost thing. Something that's mm-hmm. very easy to remember. But you know, speaking of of this idea of that. We should give gratitude to people for things like that that they give us, even on the natural level. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, our friends, our family, they do something for us. And that St. Thomas says that ingratitude is actually a sin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bl- I was blown away by this when I was reading this. I was like, oh my goodness, how many people commit the sin of ingratitude? Mm-hmm. Because they, they they have this gift that's given to them and they don't respond
5: to it. You know, here's another feature of, um, I use this expression, the anti-culture in which we live. Many Catholics today live in uh, a survival culture. Now, what I mean by that is that we don't live in this anti-culture. Our own culture is something more ancient, something truer. And when we, and others as well, uh, were brought up as children, one of the basic things that we learned at very, very young age is, please and thank you, sir and ma'am, always. Those are expressions of appreciation for the superiority of adults to children, for gratitude of something. For instance, you're buying a Coke in a convenience store, and do you say thank you to the clerk and look that clerk in the eyes? If you do, Many of us do that because we learned it as very small children, but this is somewhat fading, even on the natural level. You know, now that you mention world. that,
4: that's very interesting because I've never, I've never really given it much thought, but I have noticed this, and I'm curious as your comments because we have to go to a break in just one second, so we'll talk, pick this up on the other side of the break. But, you know, what what we're going to talk about is this idea that have you ever noticed someone in your family, maybe just walking about, you hear someone say something like, oh, I don't need to say thank you. They're giving me what I paid for. I paid for that, so I don't need to say thank you. Uh, or these kind of ideas are coming up all over the place. It's the spirit of ingratitude. So we're going to talk about the spirit of ingratitude on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere and don't worry. We're going to give you the cure. So stay around. We'll be right back after this short break. Praise be to Jesus Christ. This is your producer, Adrian Fonseca. And today we're talking about gratitude. We're talking about ingratitude. Why? Because it's Thanksgiving. What else can we talk about today, right? So let's give God some thanks today. Stick your head out the window and say, thank you, God. And then maybe if you can... Make it to Holy Mass today, because what greater good could you give to people than to head over to Holy Mass and offer the Mass in thanksgiving to God? Don't ask it for anything today. Don't ask for nothing. Don't ask for anything. Just say, thank you, God, and give God some praise today. And uh, before the break, we had Dr. Rebard was talking about ingratitude and how we have created a spirit of ingratitude in our culture. So I want to go back to that topic and I'm just thinking about the fact that the story of the lepers, whenever our Lord came through and he cured 10 lepers. Now imagine, imagine if you were stuck with some horrific disease and you're hanging out and you're at the hospital, you have all of your buddies who are in the same ward as you and you all have the same sickness. You're all dying of cancer and this man comes over and he blesses you and all of y'all are cured and he sends you all away. And what happens? Only one of the lepers came back to our Lord to thank him. That is an astonishing one because of the gratitude of the one leper. But what's more astonishing is the ingratitude of the nine. Uh, Dr. Rebar, what are your thoughts on this
5: passage? Well, <clears throat> what's happening, what, one of the things... One of the things that's happening, and we have mentioned that, that uh, gratitude is a virtue and it has acts of itself, of course, uh, as every virtue has acts, so that there's a virtue of justice, and when I pay my electric bill, pedestrian as that is, that's an act of justice. So, also, just gratitude has its acts as well as being something that is of or in or about my very character. To be ungrateful is then to be self-destructive. Gratitude is something about ourselves in our characters that we can, like other natural virtues, build up as well as supernaturally be assisted in that growth through prayer and the sacraments. But in any event, to be ungrateful is to reject something that is naturally proper to or belonging to who you are as a human being, and it is a self-destructive act. Uh, Very, very, uh, I suppose very famously, C.S. Lewis in a wonderful book called The Great Divorce represents those in hell as being shadowy, ghost-like, gray, almost transparent, diminutions of the human beings that they were before death. And it is moving in that infernal direction that we move, that we change, become less through acts of ingratitude. Wow.
4: You know, which are that, that description of C.S. Lewis's great divorce And the people there, it really reminds me of Our Lady as the inverse of that.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is. And we are known as his children. We are. And the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters. They are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right. Their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. I don't know why I turned on my radio, because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take
3: on how to deal with day-to-day reality.
2: The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
4: Because Our Lady, her soul glorifies, magnifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. He looks on His servant in her lowliness. Mm-hmm. The, the words of Our Lady in these words, it's, it's just marvelous because she talks about, she's so grateful to God. And Saint Thomas, in his, in his uh, treatises, he he says, uh, "Who should be more grateful? The person who has a, was a horrific sinner and is brought into salvation, or the person who never sinned?" And he, Our Lady here is saying, "My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior." Yet, who is she? She is the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. She has never committed a sin. Yet, her soul magnifies the Lord. It's the exact opposite of the ungrateful who are shadowy people. Instead, Our Lady is the moon which reflects the light of the sun.
5: Let's also remember, and I, I wish I could recall... Uh, who said this and where I, where I read it to give due uh, credit. But in any event, you know, we pray frequently to our Blessed Mother. The Rosary is our best example. Uh, we have the Litany of Our Lady of Loretto, and we have all of those wonderful, wonderful titles. Uh, <clears throat> the one that, is, uh, that I want to identify here for just a moment is um, <clears throat> Queen of Heaven, okay? Regina Chaley in the Latin uh, form of that of that litany when we pray to our lady we are praying her praying to her for her intercession now the remark that i read just a few months ago was bear in mind that when we pray to our blessed mother to pray for our intentions she offers to our lord not merely a supplication such as we would offer but the command of a queen mm. and we recall of course in the old testament queenship is, the queen is not the spouse of the king but the mother of the king wow and we have this of course reenacted for us in the uh, doctrine and in the intercession in the the litany of our lady as queen of heaven Absolutely.
4: And, you know, we've rightfully given so much, uh, discussion to giving thanks to God. But at the same time, and this, ultimately everything ends in the thanksgiving to God of, however, we also just, I just want to think about how we should be so grateful to our lady mm-hmm. for all the graces that she gives us and thankful to our angel, our guardian angels. Mm-hmm. How many times would we have died? How would we have done something that we shouldn't have done? Have we been guided away from temptation or conquered temptation because of our guardian angels? Mm-hmm. And then are the rest of our heavenly friends, the saints who have become our patrons, we should be so grateful to this great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm.
5: It's wonderful if everyone, and of course this will depend on on, on who you are and what you do and what your circumstances are but everyone should have at least uh, a small number uh, a cadre uh, a platoon of of patrons so for instance you know we think of the obvious ones patrons of various occupations and various problems St. Teresa of Lisieux is a patron of the sick as is uh, St. Camilla Salelis is patron of, of the sick and of nursing and all of the St. Florian and firemen uh, and, and so it goes. And so it goes. Uh, so if you, for instance, I, I'm a teacher, and so Saint Albert the Great and Saint Thomas are obviously uh, natural patrons. If somebody does, I, I was just, uh, this is one of <laughs> one of my favorites because it's so offbeat. Uh, but I had a friend in high school whose dad works for Budweiser as a brewer. And St. Augustine of Hippo, the great St. Augustine, is the patron saint of brewery. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, wow. <laughs> but you can, you, you, know, you can discover, regardless of what the, the traditional ones are, such as the examples that I gave, uh, there will be saints whose lives appeal to you. Uh, I think, for example, uh, some of the martyrs. And in our time, I mean, this is highly appropriate. You know, we've said that we live in an anti-culture and uh, uh metaphorically i, uh, I want to make this remark that if we think of the ship of the church the bark of the church sailing in toxic waters today in the 21st century one aspect of this metaphor uh and this traditional language it's important to remember is ships don't sink because of the water around them they ship mm-hmm. they sink because of the water around them that they take on through leaks uh, but in any case if we wish to uh prosecute our lives uh, uh effectively in grace then we need to gather uh, uh, a number of patrons and this brings me back to the example that i wanted to use which is saint maximilian pro and maximilian pro, maximilian pro or colby colby as okay. well but I, I happen to like miguel Mr. pro Miguel Pro. Okay, I'm okay. sorry. Yes, right. St. Miguel Pro, and and why? Well, because in the Cristero Wars, which are not quite a hundred years old, mm-hmm. okay, uh, in the Cristero Wars, um, uh, Miguel Pro was a martyr under an anti-clerical regime begun with, as as everybody knows, you know. Um, uh, uh, pl- uh, Plinio Caes and then the PRI was founded after his presidency, but is this very, very anti-clerical regime that governed Mexico for three generations. Uh, well okay so Maximilian Pro does not take on water from the anti-culture around him and it costs him his life St. Thomas More is mm-hmm. yet another great example of this and St. Thomas More reminds us also of this general principle that I'm illustrating through a metaphor about ships and water in, in his having said there is no world so evil that a good man cannot live in it Wow! and when a martyr tells you that should stick in your ears <laughs>
4: <laughs> no but
5: that is that
4: is a great point and an excellent transition into talking about being thankful for our crosses mm-hmm. because you know you would think okay i'm thankful because god has blessed me with so many gifts like my wealth my health my family my friends but do we ever stop and think thank you god for my crosses, mm-hmm. thank you, God, for letting me suffer. And that is when you read the lives of the martyrs, of the victim souls, which is even honestly, I think, worse than some of the lives of some of the martyrs. They are amazing to see and to think. These saints were grateful. To suffer.
5: One of the best examples of this uh, among many, many is St. John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross, it's hard even to imagine. St. John of the Cross, of course, was a Carmelite, and he was a Carmelite at the time along with St. Teresa of Avila, uh, who was engaged in the reform of the Carmelite order we have an order that we call the Discalced Carmelites, those are the ancient Carmelites and their patrons would include St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, but John was imprisoned in roughly a I believe it was a 6x8 or 6x10 cell by his own confreres and it was then it was in that it isn't even what we would think of as a prison cell that he began to compose his uh, his great canticle of uh, canticle of love.
4: Mm, wow! Yeah, the, the the lives of the martyrs and seeing the joy they have to be able to suffer for Christ and 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 looking at Christ that he was willing to take on the suffering. Mm-hmm. He was willing to do this out of love for us. And then the amazing thing is. You know, we, our suffering is so utterly and completely meaningless without
5: Christ. This is, this is the power of Christ's person and redemptive act. That it not only gives meaning and value to our ordinary lives, but it transforms, it transfigures even pain and suffering into meaningful moments in our lives amen amen and we have to go to a quick break
4: praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time this is your producer adrian fonseca and today is thanksgiving day so praise be to god give god some thanks today how are you celebrating thanksgiving day i'm sure you're having a a nice turkey maybe some bread some mashed potatoes what, what's, your favorite, what's your favorite dish on Thanksgiving? I'm curious, let me know And, you know, today We often just, you know, focus on The aspect of Thanksgiving Of, you know, thanking our family Thanking our friends We're thankful for all these things And we talked a lot in the last hour About a lot of the things that we can And should be grateful for But one thing that the natural world Cannot be grateful for They are un- incapable of it is the crosses that we bear. And as Christians, as Catholics, we give God such thanks for giving us his crosses. Why? Because St. Paul articulates it perfectly when he says uh, that we complete what is lacking in Christ's suffering. And you're like, oh my goodness, how could you say that? Uh, but St. Paul said it. It's in the Bible. I complete what is lacking in Christ's suffering. How do we do this? Because God has given us such a great gift as to participate in the suffering of Christ. And so that is something that we can be grateful for. We have with us Dr. Theodore Rebart. He is a professor at the University of St. Thomas in Houston. And he was also my professor while I was at the University of St. Thomas. And we have him on today talking about gratitude, talking about ingratitude. And, you know, one thing that I notice all the time, and maybe you know somebody like this, maybe you are someone like this, and I have to confess, like, that's kind of me. And that's what we call a complainer. I know when I was growing up, my dad would turn to me and be like, don't stop complaining so much. And uh, all the time he'd say that. And I got to admit, he kind of says it to me still a little bit now that I'm an adult. And yet that is so I'm grateful mm-hmm. that my dad would tell me this because. Being a complainer, complaining about things, especially the sufferings, the crosses we bear, that is not good.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes!
2: Hey, Donnie, name four of the seven
5: sacraments. Baptism. Confession. That's right, reconciliation.
3: Communion. and Confirmation.
5: As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
4: instead we should do what my mom would always say and offer it up and that's such a great little little piffy little remark that used to drive me nuts when i was a kid mm-hmm.
6: it's like,
4: <laughs> but instead we should not be complainers but be grateful for the crosses we bear dr rey
5: <laughs> you know when uh again i want to When I began Catholic school in first grade, 1959, Sister Mary Tarsissius at St. John's in Los Angeles, uh, this is the first time I began to hear from the sisters uh, to offer it up, offer it up, offer it up. Um, and it was a punctuating theme uh, all the way through. I remember Sister Maria Immaculata in sixth grade, uh, Sister Mary Eukarya in seventh grade, Sister Columkill in eighth grade, and others along the line always, always saying this. Uh, and I suppose, you know, as kids, yeah, 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 we, all right, you've said that before, uh, you know, we've been hearing this for years, but it is a mark of the foresight. Of that truth that the uh, that the sisters gave us in. Uh, forgive me for saying in the old days uh, things are somewhat different now but in any case uh, <clears throat> that we were given what is adult wisdom and adult advice so that it would be drilled into our memories and therefore always with us even after you know, graduation from 8th grade and then on to high school and so on and so forth and those lessons uh, are also objects, uh, objects of gratitude that we that we should have um, if I don't, if I don't let you I'll let you take a little bit of uh, harnessing, and if you, I don't, let you, if I fail to let you, Adrian, harness this conversation, I will go on and on and on about how great Catholic School was in the Baltimore Catechism <laughs> and the wonderful, wonderful sisters who uh, made uh, who, who just Dr. made Rebard, so much of my Would you say that time. you're grateful for that? I would say that I am very grateful for that and all the sisters <laughs> that I named and many, many more. Amen, uh, amen. But you know, Doctor Rebard. As you know we
4: we all go through suffering in our lives, and that is like probably the biggest um, accusation against god mm-hmm. it's the, and I say accusation against God because mm-hmm. it is well said by many people that the the problem of pain, the problem of suffering is the greatest uh, attack against the existence of God, mm-hmm. but not because it 's actually a good argument, but because it speaks to us emotionally. And so that is, it's always becomes a very difficult thing to overcome. Why would God let this happen to me? Mm-hmm. But yet we look at the lives of the saints, people who've lost everything. And and most great, most uh, obvious for everyone is the story of Job mm-hmm. loses everything, yet refuses to turn his back on God. And this idea that we can suffer so much, and yet we can still be thankful for those sufferings, and we should uh, also be be happy in those sufferings it's mind-blowing and it's a it's a stumbling block to to the jews and to the pagans
5: so let's go there are a couple of things that i'd like to remark uh in terms of or apropos of what you've just said and first of all about job um, we don't under, we cannot expect to understand our suffering sometimes we do sometimes we do uh if you had perhaps a uh, childhood illness or bad experience uh, ongoing with family, uh, things of this sort, bad experiences in school, many years later, you may finally learn the lesson and say, oh, wow, I understand now why that happened. But that isn't always the case. That isn't always the case. And very, very often our pains and our hardship and our suffering are opaque, and we do not understand them. In the 38th chapter of Job, one of the the chapters of, of the old testament uh, that is permanently with me and everybody has favorites but this is certainly on my top 10. job has to hear our lord say to him where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth you think you're so smart you think there, because there is something you can't figure out that therefore it is unintelligible This is exactly akin to what we see very often with children uh, who perhaps can't do a certain task, uh, maybe putting together uh, a very complicated jigsaw puzzle and then simply declaring this is impossible. Well, it's impossible for the child at, say, five years old to do the crossword puzzle, I mean, the uh, jigsaw puzzle, of a thousand pieces that are designed for much older kids or even for adults. Um, but that's exactly a hint of the relationship of the finite human intellect and the infinite intelligence of God. Humility, which is simply accurate self-appraisal, requires that we recognize that we are not able to understand everything. Uh, In uh, in turn, uh, the, uh, the second thought that crosses my mind here is that you're right about the problem of evil. But the problem of evil operates both on an emotional level and on an intellectual level. In the Summa of Theology, St. Thomas brings forward only two objections to his article on whether God exists. And The first one is that everything that we know can be accounted for by nature or by art. In other words, by nature or by human intervention in nature. If you want to explain cars and skyscrapers, well, those are products of human work. And if you want to explain forests and uh, mountain ranges and the tides, these are works of nature and that covers everything. The response is very quick and very easy even though that temptation is still with us, we see that, for instance, when we keep expecting, or so many people keep expecting, science to explain everything. And St. Thomas's reply is yes, nature and art explain everything except nature and art, mm. for which explanation you need to transcend nature and art. But the other objection. That one, notice, is still with us. That objection is still with us and still offered frequently. But the other objection is the reality of evil. And this is still intellectually. If God is all-powerful and all-good, why does he not exercise his infinite power to eliminate evil, pain, suffering, hardship in the world? And we... I at least would like to think of ourselves that if we have the power to alleviate the pains, hardships, and sufferings of others, we would do so. I think the the best one sentence answer is in C.S. Lewis, who says that good must mean something very different to God from what it means to us. Good in technical language is what's called an analogous term. It means different things when you apply it in different ways. We get a taste of this when we say that a mother's love for her children is good, but we also say, for instance, that um, a certain glass of wine is good. Well, each is good, but in different ways. The difference between God's idea of good must be infinitely transcendent beyond Our idea of good. And then in this context, Lewis offers wonderfully illustrative images. Think about these two things. When an artist wants to perfect a work of art, imagine a sculptor or a poet. The sculptor has to chip away with chisel and hammer at the stone. And if the stone were alive, it would complain of being hurt. Uh, A poet must erase words, change words, maybe cast out an entire part of a poem because it isn't yet right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can imagine all the great poets from Homer uh, to uh, uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins, great Catholic poet of the late 19th century, doing this, slaving over what? Inflicting excisions, incisions, corrections into their work. The other example, one of the other examples that Lewis uses, and I want to name all three of these, one of the other examples that Lewis uses is training a puppy dog. Now everybody who has ever owned a dog or who owns a dog knows that there is something really remarkable about dogs. They seem to be the only animals, even including horses, that have a natural affinity for us. Dogs seem to be in a canine way, happier when they are with human beings. Uh, But they have to be trained to to that. And training a puppy is a big job. Uh, And it involves inflicting some pain on the puppy maybe that's the uh, the crate that it has to stay in maybe that's the rolled up newspaper maybe that's the yelled commands maybe it's pushing the hindquarters down so that the dog can learn to sit on command and so on but when this happens they are better companions for us and the last example that lewis uses is the raising of children how many times do we all remember as children that we needed to be corrected and punished Because what? Our parents, if we had good parents, our parents wanted the best for us. They wanted us to be strong, capable adults. But that cannot be done in practice, and every parent knows this, and everybody who remembers his own childhood knows this. That cannot be done without punishment and without discipline and without making these demands. Good for a child means something different and lesser than what it means for mom or dad who have a greater goodness in mind ditto the artist and ditto the uh the owner of the uh the dog now if we extrapolate and expand to the ultimate example god's notion of god in good infinitely transcends ours so to say that if god were good he would do exactly what i would do in this circumstance doesn't hold any water because the term doesn't mean the same thing
4: right so it's like saying the child saying why does my mom punish me I know what's better Mm -hmm. and uh, purely and whenever you hear it from a three year old or a five year old you would laugh and say oh that's so cute (laughs) Uh, but the whenever we think about ourselves in relation to God we're like I would know better than God I would do it better yes
5: uh Uh, and that wonderfully those those, that, that description that you offer wonderfully represents the difference between pride and humility because it is the proud person who says i would know better if i were god just as it is the vain and silly child who says i would know i know better than mom uh, <clears throat> so what is the only curative for pride the most pervasive of the capital sins the only curative is humility mm.
4: You know it's interesting because I'm I'm thinking while you're saying that I'm thinking of my my own father whenever we played football whenever mm-hmm. me and my little brother we played football we started whenever I was four years old and we played through high school so I was in high school and my father would it would take us out and he would uh, I was not a very good football player when I was younger mm-hmm. and so my this infuriated my mother but my dad would bench me he was the head coach for my football team and he would sit me on the bench because he said I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. and but my dad was not he wasn't a bad my father and so instead he, was, he would uh, make me stay after practice and, rehe- and practice more mm-hmm. and then during the summers we'd practice more he'd send me to camps and it was grueling it was hard I was like why am I doing this mm-hmm. and it was terrible at the time but my dad would tell me you have to trust me I promise you, mm-hmm. you do this exercise. I promise you will get better, mm-hmm. you will play. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately over time, I was like, okay, I trust you. And so I continued to do it over and over again mm-hmm. until I got good enough that I was starting on the team. And it wasn't starting on the team because I was a coach's son, I was starting on the team because I was one of the better players. Mm-hmm. And this it exactly reflects this idea of trusting in your father
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, We see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now, to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth. And that, my friend, will not happen again. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio, because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely
4: hooked.
2: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
4: All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. is exactly what reflects the saints and their disposition towards God, the trustful surrender to divine providence. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of Maximilian Kolbe when he was going off to Auschwitz, he thanked God. For going to Auschwitz, mm-hmm. his and all his brothers were being marched off to the death camps, and his response isn't "God, why would you do this?" It's not "Oh, this is terrible." Instead, he trusted God and thanked Him for going into what he called the new mission field, and that was mind-boggling to to people to think that someone could react that way. Mm-hmm.
5: The uh, the example of, of Maximilian Kolbe in this case is stunning. And we have the benefit of hindsight. Okay, it's 80 years later, more or less. And we have the benefit of hindsight on this because about Maximilian Kolbe, you and I can see that going to Auschwitz was the occasion of his sanctity.
4: And... Mm the salvation of uh, the soul of that of those the person he saved because he ended up becoming catholic mm-hmm. and he ended up traveling the world preaching in gratitude to to maximilian colby started preaching all over the world mm-hmm. about the greatness of maximilian colby and i believe he was actually in the, at the vatican whenever he was canonized and so that action of gratitude of recognizing that these these things and we can look at the lives of the saints and you know and, and now i'm just i'm thinking out loud now the lives of the saints give us the perfect opportunity to say, you know, I may not be able to trust God in my own circumstances, but if I look back and read the lives of the saints and look at their suffering, look at their pain, look at the awful things they went through, saints who were who were silenced for decades and decades, saints who were tortured and killed, and then you see the results of their suffering, mm-hmm. you see the the blood of the martyrs being the seed of the church, mm-hmm. you see the the mass conversions happening, and from what seemingly, at the time, Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc being excommunicated, Joan of Arc. being burned at the stake, mm-hmm. and you may and, and the world might say, "Well, that's the end of Joan of Arc."
5: Yet she still has influence on
4: the world today by her sanctity. And that's e- amazing.
5: And even within her time, m- many people don't know this, but the rehabilitation trial of Joan of Arc justified her in human eyes within the next hundred years. Really, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, I, I may be wrong about this. I think the only biography of Joan of Arc that covers that, interestingly, is Mark Twain. Oh, wow. And Mark Twain also said of that book, you know, when we think of Mark Twain, we think of Tom Sawyer and Berry Finn and Following the Equator and Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court and these things. But <clears throat> Mark Twain said that his favorite of all the books that he wrote. Was Joan of Arc? Oh wow! Uh-huh. But was I love he Joan. Catholic? Yes. Uh-huh. That's hilarious. I love Joan. I love Joan of Arc because, like uh, Miel Pro, like Thomas More, she was a warrior. Mm. Like Saint Ignatius was a warrior. Like Saint Joseph was a warrior.
4: Mm. All I mean, all the saints. I mean, God has set it up in in his providence that uh, we on earth are known as the church militant because we are at war with the world of flesh and the devil. Now some of us are literal warriors um, like Joan of Arc, like Ignatius, like the Cristero martyrs Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting bringing up Maximilian Kolbe. He wanted to be a warrior. He wanted to fight as uh, against uh, for for the interests of Poland and he decided to become a monk instead and fight in the Militia Immaculata which Mm -hmm. he started the Militia of the Immaculate and he started fighting against the Freemasonic uh invasion in rome and started monasteries all over the world he started radio stations he's a patron saint of radio um amazing man amazing man and all the sufferings that he endured he gave thanks to god whenever he would have a radio station shut down by the by the nazis he would thank god whenever his had his possessions repossessed he would thank god and it's like if that happened to me <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I would. I would be like God. Why I was
5: doing good work. Uh-huh. I was
4: doing things for you, uh-huh. and yet these things are taken from me, uh-huh. and I would react in such a horrible manner.
5: You know, we, we we readily identify, don't we, with that famous? And I don't know whether it's true or not, but that 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 famous um, uh, story about um, uh, Teresa of Avila, who is she's traveling somewhere to one of the one of the convents or something like that during the. Uh, uh, carmelite reform and she, uh, the story goes that she falls in the water of a muddy creek and her prayer is lord if this is the way you treat your friends it is no wonder you have so few <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is a doctor of the church let's not forget that teresa avila is a doctor of the church it's, uh, it's a remarkable moment. You know, you mentioned the Freemasonic um, uh, uh, opposition that, uh, that Maximilian Colby offered and continues to offer uh, through the Immaculata. <clears throat> and you mentioned also the Cristero Wars. Many people are, are unaware, I think many people are unaware that the Mexican Revolution against Porfirio Diaz uh, was of Masonic origins. I'm not defending the Uh They have their problems, to say the least. But nevertheless, uh, there, there was a, a, a Freemasonic element in this. And, of course, it emerged by the time we get to um, Plinio
4: Callas. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's kind of amazing to, to think about this naturalistic worldview that comes from the Freemasons. It was present all over the world. But, you know, in, in, our, in our country, in America, I, I want to kind of wrap up the conversation talking about our country and and talking about giving thanks for our country it's so hard for catholics in the modern world, I hear it all the time from my Catholic friends. Why should I be uh, patriotic? Mm-hmm. Why should I care about my country? Mm-hmm. they It's a. We live in a Protestant country. We live in a Freemasonic country. We live in. Uh, the the, it's the country is trying to trans the kids. They're trying to. They they. We have the sin of abortion and blood on our hands. All these things. They hated Catholics. All these things are happening in our country. Why on earth should I celebrate Fourth of July? Why should I celebrate Thanksgiving? Why should I celebrate these these American holy days uh, and there 's like a bitterness about it mm-hmm. and so I always try to tell my my friends you know that all may be true, but it is our fatherland it is where I was born and and we sing in God bless America thank God for
5: the land that I love and thank it is you, thank you for mentioning that wonderful uh Recent vintage, you know uh, Irving Berlin. Wrote, God bless America. Uh, <clears throat> so it's of a, a comparatively recent uh, vintage. But thank you also for mentioning the patriotic anthems. I think the the answer in the language of patriotic anthems to the objection that you suggest is found in, I believe it's the third verse of America the Beautiful, uh, which runs. Um, uh, o oh beautiful for pilgrim feet whose stern impassioned stress a thoroughfare for freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thine every flaw even in our patriotic hymns. We acknowledge the deficiencies of America. Confirm thy soul in self-control. Thy liberty and law that is just profound. Uh, profound profession of what we're trying to do in the spirit of patriotism for the sake of our compatriots in america amen and
4: I, i think of the analogy of of our father of our parents you know i i'm grateful because i had such great parents but many people don't and just because they are bad parents doesn't make them not your parents Mm -hmm. and so america is unique in the sense that yes it's not perfect it was never part of christendom it was never a catholic nation but this is is a land that i was born in this is a land that i and that i have a devotion to in Mm -hmm. a in a in a justice sense Mm -hmm. a sense of that we have a a duty to love our country.
5: So piety, we tend, in American English, to say, oh, piety has to do with devotion to God. And we are being pious when we go to mass, we pray, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the older, the ancient, even the pagan notion of piety is much bigger than that. In Latin, the word is pietas, and the adjective is pius, from which we get our word, pious. Now, in Virgil's Aeneid, The principal character after whom the uh, epic is named is Aeneas, and Aeneas has one epithet, one adjective that is used over and over and over when Virgil is trying to point out who Aeneas is, and it is Pius Aeneas, but piety to the Romans means not only piety before the gods, but it also means piety in one's family and respect that is owed to one's parents and it also means patriotism. It's much bigger than we usually have in mind. Uh, So there is a tremendous assist or assistance that can be given to our conception of patriotism when we see how in the pagans, it was a much bigger concept and it was part of the same virtue by which loyalty and love are expressed on all these levels.
4: you know, it's interesting too because we think about the word uh, love Mm -hmm. and we... uh very, very famously abuse the word "love" like no other word in the English language. I love pizza, I love my mom, I love this uh, the weather, all mm-hmm. these things. You love everything, everything is love. love is love it's a very a very abused language. Well that
5: statement is false. Mm-hmm. Love is not love for the reasons that you give: love of God, love of parents, love of spouses, love of children, love of pizza, love of a uh, swimming on a hot day all of these things are loves but they are not loves in the same sense Mm -hmm. it's just exactly like what i was saying about goodness when we say of god that god is good that does not mean the same thing as when i say that um i love the the view from my hotel room if i am in a resort or something Mm -hmm. like this uh, or that i love swimming in the ocean uh, because it's fun Mm -hmm. Uh, and similarly The love of God is not the same meaning of love as spousal love, as paternal or maternal love, the love that we have for pets and animals. Many people do indeed, and they mean something by it, that they love animals, but it is a different meaning. And so there has been an abuse of this subtlety, an abuse of meaning, an abuse of language, when people simply say, love is love, Mm -hmm. and it is almost always used to justify perversion. Absolutely, and the
4: interesting thing to me is that love, when we talk about it rightly, it really means to will the good of another. Yes. And when we say that we will the good of another, we mean for the sake of that other, not for anything that it does for me, Mm -hmm. but for the sake of that individual. And when we say we we love our country, when we have a piety for our country, Mm -hmm. we can rightly say I love my country. And even if my country is not good, even if my country does things that that are wrong, it is out of love for my country that I seek to the good of my country. I seek to have abortion abolished in my country. I seek that Christ be, be uh, honored and loved by my country. I seek that all Americans come to know the love of our Savior. Be- Why? It's not because I hate my country. It's not because I think our country is disgusting. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's
5: because I'm thankful. It's because I'm grateful for my country, and that is the motive behind that line in the, the verse of uh, God bless. Them, I mean, sorry, of America, the Beautiful. God mend thine every flaw. There are all of these flaws that you enumerate, and they are horrendous flaws. But to want flaws to be rectified, to be cured, to we want the patient to return to health, is an act of love. Amen.
4: Dr. Rebar, that is just about concluding our time. I want to leave you with your, with your last, uh, comments about gratitude, Thanksgiving. So whatever it is that you want to, uh, to touch on before we, uh, finish up, uh, Dr. Rebar, Thanksgiving, gratitude, thankfulness for our country, this, the holiday of Thanksgiving. What is it that I did not ask or bring up that you think that we really should have touched?
5: Uh, I have uh, some notes that I prepared and some notes that I uh to which I added while we were chatting and I think that we have just about covered everything, everything that I've got jotted down. Amen. So Amen. this is this is fine where we are.
4: Praise be to God. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. God bless you. God love you. And on this d- great day of Thanksgiving, we have to build a sacral society. And how do we build a sacral society? It is by not seeding the ground to the culture. Don't let the culture have these holidays. Instead of letting the culture have these holidays, how about we sacralize the holiday? Why don't we turn this into a Christian holiday, a Catholic holiday? So yes, go eat your turkey. Yes, go eat those mashed potatoes. Enjoy your pumpkin pie. Get, sit around the table and give thanks for all the things that are good for you. But also, try to make it to Mass. Try to give some thanks to God today. And bring that up at the dinner table. You may talk about football. You may talk about some other things as well. But bring up your thankfulness for God, for country, for family. But ultimately and primarily give thanks that God created you, that he saved you. He has given us such a wonderful Savior.
1: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life no braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self proclaimed Bible only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife, out.
4: I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. The reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from
1: the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org
5: today.
4: us right now is Michael Seifert. He is with Public SQ, Public Square. Uh, good morning to you, Michael.
0: Good morning. Great to be here.
4: Praise be to God. It's good to have you on. Now, Michael, I I saw this thing, Public Square, and I was really encouraged by it. It's something that I have not really seen and before, and it was something that I had talked about with friends of mine on a smaller scale. We were talking about, oh, we let's have... Our buddies get together and let's support local businesses and let's support people who have Catholic values, have Christian values, have American values. And this happens, and it becomes very difficult. It became very, very difficult even to support local. I had the struggle of I'd go to a local place and they'd have LGBT flag up on it. I'd go to a local coffee shop and it's completely woke. So even trying to support local, you end up supporting immoral values. And then I came across Public Square. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me about Public Square.
0: Well, we are the nation's largest marketplace of businesses that are expressively pro-life, pro-family, and pro-freedom. This marketplace is filled with over 70,000 small businesses from around the country that love the country, the Constitution, the values that it protects, and they would never lecture you about woke political issues when you're simply trying to buy a cup of coffee. It's incredibly refreshing. It's free to sign up for consumer and business alike. You can find out more at publicsq.com. So we are a marketplace that is often titled The Parallel Economy, And a lot of people throw around that phrase, and essentially what it means is that the existing institutions in our society, corporate America, has largely become corrupted. If you look at Target, you look that they're more interested in lecturing you and your kids about gender ideology and sexuality than they are on providing quality products. If you look at Bud Light, they're more interested on lecturing you about transgenderism than they are about providing quality beer. And for millions of Americans like myself and like I'd imagine yourself and like your listeners, We don't want to be lectured about these things when we're trying to shop. We don't want to feel like every time we're spending money on a company, we're empowering an ideology that's antithetical to our own. We want to feel instead like our purchases are contributing to the betterment of our value system and our society. And more than anything, are simple in nature. They're just about providing quality goods at an affordable price in a way that honors your community. That's our goal. And so we've created a marketplace that helps consumers do just that. So you don't just have to boycott you can actually shift your dollars to somewhere more positive. Your desire for a local network of businesses that uh, wouldn't have infringe upon your values and your convictions and your liberties is very akin to our desire as well. And the great news is that there are tens of millions of Americans around the country that share that same desire, and now we're doing something about it. And very exciting.
4: I was really surprised. So I downloaded the app, and I started to use it, and immediately I thought that it was going to be kind of sporadic. I've seen app similar to this about other things and every time i used it i would just check the location and there's just nothing around me and i was very surprised happily surprised when i opened it up there were tons of local businesses local restaurants which was awesome to be able to eat at restaurants that i know have have american values have christian values to actually to Give them my money. And I was really impressed by that. So how did this grow so seemingly rapidly under the radar? Because I hadn't heard about it until recently, and I was really impressed by that that aspect of it.
0: Well, thank you. That's certainly been a a significant blessing for us because traditionally in a lot of these software app development environments, you have to spend quite a bit of money in order to grow the community. Your customer acquisition cost is exorbitant because it's tough to get products like this in front of people's eyes. But when you're not just a product, but you're also a movement and there are people that really feel like this Uh, not only solves a consumer solution for them, but almost a deeper convicted value solution for them. When that happens, the thing can spread like wildfire. In fact, we hit a million members on our platform faster than Twitter, Airbnb, Spotify, the list goes on. The speed at which this thing has grown around the country has been extraordinary on the business and the consumer side. So what'll typically happen is a business will join the platform They'll tell three of their other business owner friends and they'll join the platform. And all of a sudden the community begins to compound on itself on the consumer side. You'll have a consumer join. They make a few purchases. They realize that the experience is really fruitful and uh, they have a lot of satisfaction in the purchases they're conducting. And then they'll spread the word. They'll push it in Facebook groups and on telegram and on Twitter, and they'll tell all their family and community members. The other thing that's been nice is we've had, um, uh, many, um, uh, organizations adopt this Uh, we've had a lot of pregnancy resource centers we've had a lot of parishes a lot of churches uh, um, uh, even some synagogues adopt this and say hey we want to tell our people about this because we believe our congregation is pro-life pro-family and pro-freedom our leadership team are all christians so we're protestants and catholics at the leadership level and for us uh, these values speak to a different set of convictions a deeper set of convictions we love liberty and we love these values because we know the author of these values and so when we can lock arms with other folks in our country that feel that same way uh it's it's truly been amazing how grassroots this movement has become so it's pretty exciting
4: and joining us right now is the ceo of public square michael seifer i think this is a really awesome thing and you have the these values that you have set aside uh can you tell me about these values and how you're able to make sure that the companies that sign up and list themselves there are in fact keeping with those values
0: yeah, that's a great question. So if you go to publicsq.com and you scroll down the homepage, you'll see a section that says Our Values. You'll note that the banner on this section says that we are pro-life, pro-family, pro-freedom. Those principles guide everything we do. And then we've broken it down into five more uh, um, Uh, specific values that speak to that pro-life, pro-family, and pro-freedom posture. Number one is we're united in our commitment to freedom and truth. That's what makes us Americans. We do believe in objective truth. Number two, we will always protect the family unit and celebrate the sanctity of every life. Number three, we believe small businesses and the communities who support them are the backbone of our economy. Number four, we believe in the greatness of this nation, and we will always fight to defend it. And finally, number five, our Constitution is non-negotiable. Government is not the source of my rights, so it cannot take them away. My rights come from somewhere. They've been endowed by my creator. They're unalienable. Among these, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. These are the principles that guide our experience. So, second question how do you vet along with these values? Well, in three ways. First, it's self-selecting. Many businesses don't join us unless they agree with adamantly with these things because they'd be labeling themselves under some banner that they don't actually agree with. So we don't have a lot of woke infiltrators try to join the platform because they would end up getting associated with a group that they claim to despise. So it's very self-selecting in that regard. The the second way, though, is that we actually have an entire team of vetting professionals. So we have a team of research analysts, uh, about 12 of them, that are cranking around the clock every time a new business joins you know we'll have hundreds of businesses join today and these folks are actually vetting each business they're conducting a search through all their um, um, public profiles and their instagrams and their facebook to make sure that they're legitimately uh, an established business with quality products and that there's nothing about this business that exudes woke or progressive or whatever it might be and you can tell pretty easily we also have an algorithm that we've developed called the psq score that actually scrapes everything that these businesses have ever said online publicly and then compiles that into sort of a predictive score that helps our vetting team. And then finally, we actually check in with these businesses frequently. We reach out to them. We email them. We call them. We like to have a relationship with our vendors. That's really important for us. And so as we continue to scale, it's important that we reach out quarterly, that we're aware that these businesses are still owned by the same people, because that's something that can often happen. A business can join with really pure intentions, but what if they sell? What if they have a change of ownership? We want to make sure that we have the right businesses in our network displayed to a group of consumers that are hungry to support their pro-life, pro-family, pro uh, and pro-freedom values in the marketplace so that's our values network it really works well it's more about what you're for rather than what you're against that's the last thing that i'll mention we as a platform like to be positive we like to embrace that good news we don't want to just talk about bud light we want to talk to you about the alternatives we don't want to just talk to you about starbucks funding planned parenthood by matching employee contributions to planned parenthood we would rather show you the alternatives to starbucks that would never do that they would never infringe upon the lives of the most vulnerable with your dollars and uh, that posture has allowed our our platform to really grow with a lot of positivity. It's exciting.
4: One thing that I think is uh, interesting is right now you kind of market yourself as a alternative to Amazon, but you can't really can you buy straight from Public Square the same way that you can from Amazon, or is it more like a search engine?
0: Nove- Great question. To date, it's been like a directory search engine. November one, here just in a few days, we're actually launching a fully immersive e commerce platform. So you're going to be able to transact completely through the actual platform itself with one shopping cart and multiple vendors. So you're going to be able to buy ammo, uh, toilet paper, and household cleaning products all within the same transaction. It's pretty exciting, and uh, this is something we've been building toward for a while. So November 1, we take that next step. We built a shopping cart from scratch so that folks can actually transact right there, have their point of sale with multiple vendors, seamless, and uh, we can't wait. So that's taking place here just in a few days. Make sure you uh, track along with publicsq.com.
4: Awesome. Well, praise be to God. That's pretty awesome. Um, And here's the other thing. You mentioned about how these things are happening. These things are moving forward. But you also mentioned about the being positive here, about talking about the, the good companies that are doing this. And I am really encouraged because I saw that. Uh, even as Public Square yourself, are providing a very pro-life and pro-family uh, position for your employees. Uh, tell me about that.
0: Well, last year, after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is something that we obviously celebrated, uh, after that Dobbs decision, you had a lot of companies come out in corporate America and say that they were going to actually fund their employees' abortions. They would spend $4,500. These are companies like Amazon, Lululemon, um uh verizon uh, uh different uh baby care companies believe it or not you had hello bello a diaper company come out and say that they were going to fund their employees abortions it's absolutely absurd honest company did the same so you're having these entities that are in millions of americans households come out and say that they're going to actually put their dollars behind their support of the culture of death and We just felt like that was an incredibly dark moment in our country's history as a response to something that should have been celebrated in great measure than overturning of Roe v. Wade. So what we decided to do is say, you know what? Uh, Why don't we do the opposite? While corporate America is broadly supporting the diminishing of families, why don't we celebrate the flourishing of families and the increase of those families?
4: Amen. Thank you very much to Michael Seifer with PublicSQ.com. PublicSQ.com. Check it out on Apple, Android, or online. God bless you. God love you. And we'll be right back.
6: Guadalupe Radio Network now
4: brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
6: A very happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Today we celebrate a Mass in honor of Thanksgiving to God. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for all those joining us on Guadalupe Radio,
7: online, and those here present. Let all things now living a song of thanksgiving To God our Creator triumphantly raise Who fashioned and made us, protected and stayed us Who guideth us on to the end of our days His banners are o'er us, His light goes before us, A pillar of fire Shining forth in the night Till shadows have vanished And darkness is banished As forward we travel From light into light. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit,
6: grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words.
7: Christ have mercy. Christ have,
2: mercy.
7: Lord, have mercy Lord, have mercy.
6: Let us pray, Father, all-powerful, your gifts of love are countless, and your goodness infinite, as we come before you on Thanksgiving Day with gratitude for your kindness. Open our hearts to have concern for every man, woman, and child, so that we may share your gifts in loving service. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen.
3: A reading from the book of Sirach. And now bless the God of all who has done wondrous things on earth who fosters people's growth from their mother's womb and fashions them according to his will. May he grant you joy of heart and may peace abide among you. May his goodness toward us endure in Israel to deliver us in our days. The word of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness and love. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness and love. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart, for you have heard the words of my mouth. In the presence of the angels I will sing your praise. I will worship at your holy temple. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness and love. I will give thanks to your name because of your kindness and your truth. When I called, you answered me. You built up strength within me. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness and love. All the kings of the earth shall give thanks to you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. Great is the glory of the Lord. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness and love. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always on your account, for the grace of God bestowed on you in Christ Jesus, that in him you were enriched in every way, with all discourse and all knowledge, as the testimony to Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you firm to the end, irreproachable on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, and by him you were called to fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Word of the Lord.
7: Alleluia alleluia alleluia. alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. In all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy
6: Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee. As he was entering a village, ten persons with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? Then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We have so much to be grateful and thankful for in this day of course in the United States, we celebrate thanksgiving it 's a day we kind of set aside as a reminder or we should of all that we are thankful for many years ago, my mom tried to start a tradition in our in the house this was when I was much younger of having a, a sort of a blessing cup that would go around and every whoever received that cup was to say something that they were grateful for. I remember the first uh, the first time it was a I was a little bit nervous about the whole thing, you know, about saying something about what I should be grateful for. But as time went on, it became easier and easier one to identify those things that I was grateful for, and then to be able to express them. In fact, there we could say there's kind of two types of, of Thanksgiving. One is when we're, we're thankful when we've received something, you know, there's a gratitude in our heart when we receive something, and then there's that we would say we we, we are thankful full of thanks, or we should be. And then there is be thanksgiving, which is then to give thanks. Those two words, huh? thank you, how important they are in our life and in the world today to say thank you. It's interesting that the origins of that word thank you is in a way is to say that I really I, I am in debt to you. In the English, they would say much obliged. It means I'm obliged to you. I owe you something because of this. And, of course, our response when somebody says thank you is, you're welcome. And that was a way of saying, well then I'm I'm not going to hold that debt to you. you it basically it's been remitted. You're free from that debt. And then to go on, some of the say we say thank you, you're welcome, or sometimes our response is, my pleasure, especially if you go to Chick-fil-A, right? They always say my pleasure, they've been they've been taught that. But to say my pleasure is now in a way is that you give thanks to me. I'm not going to not only am I not going to hold that debt. That, that, I, that, you, that I owe to you or you owe to me but then it is my pleasure that I can do something for you <laughs> it's a very strange thing in a way to say my pleasure I'm actually grateful to you that you've been thankful but that's what happens when thanksg- with thanksgiving is that in, with the gratitude the full of thanksgiving that is in our hearts then that overflows to others when we express that in giving thanks and then it causes this ripple effect that, every, that everybody else becomes grateful I would like to extend this a little bit and say, of course, we are full of thanks and we give thanks. And especially in one particular way is when we come to celebrate the Holy Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving, right? Eucharistia, Thanksgiving. The highest Thanksgiving that, of course, we can give to God is to offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and to participate in that, to offer ourselves in union with Jesus. This is the great Thanksgiving to God that Jesus gave to his Father. And we are caught up in that, in that thanksgiving. And that just should overflow into us. But let's extend that just a little bit more and take something that his blessed Salonis Casey uh, tried to instill in those uh, that, that, that he touched, the lives that he touched. He would say that we should give thanks to God ahead of time. Of course, we usually thank God because of the things we received. Now, before we even receive it, can we thank God, knowing that he's going to give, that he gives generously, that he's going to answer our prayers, that he's going to give us exactly what we need, that we thank God ahead of time. I remember there was uh, somebody who did a novena. They did a 30-day novena in order to get a job. They needed a job. And then they decided, after the 30-day novena was up, they didn't give it, they didn't have a job yet but they decided to do a 30 day novena and thanksgiving for the gifts received and wouldn't you know it on the 29th day of that of that novena of thanksgiving they got a job they had thanked god ahead of time cuz they knew that god was going to come through and be generous so on this day of thanksgiving let us let us spend some time giving thanks to god for all the blessings that we have it will sometimes help us to to kind of overflow over all the negative things that we see in our life or around us, but to give thanksgiving to God, especially to the Most Holy Eucharist, and then that that would overflow to others, that we may truly give of ourselves and give everything, because God has given us so much, and to thank him ahead of time. Amen. To God, the Father Almighty, dear brothers and sisters, may every prayer of our heart be directed, for his will is that all humanity should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Let us pray for the Holy Church of God, that the Lord may graciously watch over her and care for her. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peoples of all the world, that the Lord may graciously preserve harmony among them. Let us pray to the Lord. For all who are oppressed by any kind of need, that the Lord may graciously grant them relief. Let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves and our own community, that the Lord may graciously receive us as a sacrifice acceptable to himself. Let us pray to the Lord. For all the petitions that are in our hearts, those who have asked us to pray for them, for all those joining us, through Guadalupe Radio, online, and all here present. And in thanksgiving, gratitude to God for all of his gifts. Let us pray to the Lord. O God, our refuge and our strength, hear the prayers of your church, for you yourself were the source of all devotion. And grant, we pray, that what we ask in faith we may truly obtain through Christ our Lord. Amen. this wine to offer you, fruit of the vine, work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. God our Father, from whose hand we have received generous gifts, so that we might learn to share your blessings in gratitude, accept these gifts of bread and wine, and let the perfect sacrifice of Jesus draw us closer to all our brothers and sisters in the human family, through Christ our Lord. Amen.
7: The Lord be with you, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. You have entrusted to us the great gift of freedom, a gift that calls forth responsibility and commitment to the truth that all have a fundamental dignity before you. In Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we find our ultimate redemption, freedom from sin and every blessing. And so with hearts full of love, We join the angels today and every day of our lives to sing your glory as we acclaim Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest.
6: You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who were pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow in the world all
7: that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is Yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven.
3: For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you,
7: Father, we thank Thee who has planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for Thy pleasure Didst give man food for all his days, Giving in Christ the bread eternal, Mine is the power, be thine the praise.
6: Let us pray. In this celebration, O Lord our God, you have shown us the depths of your love for all your children. Help us, we pray, to reach out in love to all your people so that we may share with them the good things of time and eternity through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
7: Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. O oh, may this gracious God through all our life be near us, with ever-joyful hearts and blessed.
3: thy peace always in the name of christ our lord amen
4: transmitting the treasures of our catholic faith to your radio every day this is the guadalupe radio network radio for your
5: soul